Millennium Home is a space where we can all engage about self-love, self-worth, relationships, trauma and healing. I hope that you enjoy your stay and I am your host, Tando. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Honey, I'm Home. On today's episode, I have Okuhle Selevu and we are discussing how to rewire your brain, how neuroplasticity could be a way to overcome your situation and finally, how your hunger is your advantage. Hello Okuhle, how are you doing today? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm excited about this topic because there's a lot to unpack. But before we get into the conversation can you do a brief introduction of who you are what do you do and also about your platform if you're comfortable sharing with us okay so i mean you've already introduced my name so i'm kuse and i'm a real estate agent and i i'm also studying but recently i took on a passion project that is mainly focused on self-help and character development we're on facebook instagram and youtube it's called intentional 20 somethings and it's just um dedicated to helping people in their 20s like navigate through their 20s you know so that is what i do yeah and i like how your pilot episode was about how social media is actually not real life because Mm -hmm. we were obviously under lockdown and we relied a lot on social media so we've developed habits that you know make it so easy for us to be on social media every single second and to have fights with people online who we don't even know and to compare ourselves with people online so I think everyone should check out the channel I will leave um the links in the description box but today we are talking about neuroplasticity and neuroplasticity basically describes how your brain can be altered as we grow and it's also the capacity for the brain to recognize its connections based on the experiences that we go through so through repetitive and um, intense stimuli you're able to rewire your brain and the foundation of our conversation today is, are we able to rewire our brain even when we come from backgrounds that potentially limit us? Because when you are able to rewire your brain, you're able to change your situation and you're able to have healthier thoughts and emotions. So Kuhle, I understand that obviously this neuroplasticity is very complex and we can't necessarily unpack the entire thing in this episode but a good place for us to start would be how can we regulate our thoughts how is it possible for us to have better control of our thoughts and our emotions i want to relay how i view it based on my lived experiences right so i remember the first time i went bungee jumping i was terrified i'm gonna i'm gonna speak about bungee jumping and i'm gonna speak about um gold reef city the first time i ever went on the tower of terror so i'll start with the tower of terror right okay so um the first time i'd ever gone on the tower of terror you know like at gold reef city they do this week in week out um when you go on the ride the tower of terror is probably the scariest ride at gold reef but yeah. you're strapped in, you're buckled up, like you know that uh, the machines are well serviced and well oiled and whatever, and you know that these people know what they're doing. Many people have come and done this before me, but like you are still 
terrified to get into the line of the the Tower of Terror, right? And that's just your anxiety. Anxiety isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes um, it's a good thing because it keeps you safe. I mean, when you're standing, I watched a video the other day that spoke about when you're standing at the edge of a cliff, you get anxious and that anxiety is telling you that don't step any closer to the edge because you could fall and get hurt. So it does keep us safe sometimes, right? Yeah. So now psyching myself up to join the line for the Tower of Terror and it took me probably like 10 minutes to actually join the line and eventually I joined the line and while I'm in the line I'm just watching people go before me and I was like yo this is hectic and like to get to the Tower of Terror to the front of the line you have to wait you have to walk um, up a flight of stairs and the higher and higher you go up the stairs the more you realize that yo this thing is actually very high you know so yeah. all this time, the fear of the ride is also built up psychologically as you wait in the line for your, to- your turn to go. Your anxiety is skyrocketing. You're terrified, you know. And then when you get on the ride, it's the suspense build up. Like it, it goes up slowly up until it gets to the peak of the ride. And at the peak of the ride, you're looking straight down the steepest like gradients. And it's like straight down and the ride goes down really quickly and it's over in like two seconds. It's literally over in two seconds. After that, you're buzzing, you've got this adrenaline rush and it's like, you always knew you were going to be fine, but this perceived type of fear, you know what I mean? So the first time I went on the Tower of Terror, before I even joined the line, it took me 10 minutes to actually join the line, right? And then after the first time I had gone, now I'm more confident because now I know that ugh, I'll be fine. So the first time I went on the Tower of Terror, it took me 10 minutes to join the line. The second time I was able to join the line, same time. Now I can just go on the Tower of Terror um, whenever, like whenever I go to Gold Reef City, it can even be the first ride that I go on. Whereas other times you at least have to start with less scary rides to at least build your confidence to go face the Tower of Terror. Yes. So even today, I know that when I get to the Tower of Terror, when I get to the top like of the ride, I'm still going to be anxious and nervous, but I know I'll be fine. So, you know, it's just a thing of like um, having control over your emotions is sometimes just having a conversation with yourself and realizing that your anxiety is lying to you. You know, um, often when we're scared of things, we tend to avoid them, right? So if you are nervous about something, or if you're afraid of something and you think that that threat is imminent or a bad outcome is inevitable, you tend to avoid that threat or whatever it is that's making you anxious. And then when you avoid it and then you're perfectly fine as a result of that, that further feeds your anxiety about whatever it is that you were avoiding. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So the the first thing that I realized is key to controlling my emotions, for example, is you have to psych yourself up to do a lot of things. You have to face a lot of the things that make you anxious and acknowledge that anxiety is lying to you. And the second thing is also like, um, like you were saying, uh, neuroplasticity is... It has to do a lot with uh, stimulus and um, repetition. And it it has a lot to do with acknowledging that 
a lot of the things that you choose to acknowledge, not well, I'm not saying you must suppress certain things that you feel, but a lot of the things that you choose to give light to repetitively, that strengthens the pathways in your brain. So you have to be very deliberate in what you choose to repetitively give light to with regards to your emotions as well. Yeah. And when you were saying that you were scared about going to the Tower of Terror, I was thinking about how we have created that fear around going on the ride. Because if you didn't know that it was scary, you would have gone onto the ride, right? It's the same thing as kids. Kids will touch a hot stove because they are not aware that it's hot. And they're not aware that it burns until you say, no, don't do that. So it's also the people around you, how they look at certain things and also trying to not look at those things through their gaze and just creating your own lived experiences. And it's it's really something that I try to apply in my daily practice because the more I try to create my own narrative, the easier it is to kind of overcome a lot of situations. But with what you've already said, I've seen a post on your Twitter account where you were running and you were saying that sometimes when you come across obstacles, all you have to do, it's just like running where if you look at an obstacle whilst you're running, let's say it's a steep um, it's a steep road and you say to yourself, if I can just overcome that obstacle and then I go further and then you encounter another one where it's your fatigue and you say, let me use a stop sign to get further. I just want to go back to what you were saying about how sometimes how we perceive something is also because of the people around us. I forgot to mention my experience with bungee jumping. Sorry, we're getting okay. sidetracked. I'll get back to your question now. It's not a problem. Um, the first time I ever went bungee jumping, we were the first people there. And there was no one else, and I opted to go first. And I just decided to run to the edge of the bridge and jump. Yes. And I did it. And because I hadn't seen anybody else go before me, because I hadn't looked at how high it was, because I just ran to the edge and I jumped, it was a lot easier because I had no reference as to... um what I was getting myself into. Obviously, it was terrifying once I was in the air, but afterwards, the adrenaline rush was like something else. Anyways, um, yeah. I learned a lot of my life lessons through sports. So in when I was going through primary school and high school, I used to play soccer and uh, I used to do athletics. So a lot of the life lessons that I learned was through those. So for example... Um, when I was in primary school and high school, I had I was really quick with regards to athletics. Shout out to my dad for the great genes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was really quick, and because like the natural talent was already there, I just didn't work work towards anything. Like I didn't appreciate or understand the value like of hard work and a growth mentality and getting better at something until. One day, so I, I took that mentality basically from high, from primary school with me to high school. And, you know, again, like great, uh, great track star in high school, very quick. Then I nearly lost my first race and I couldn't believe it. And I was like, I've been, you know, beating these guys like every year. Now this guy is just like so quick. I don't understand how. So I actually went to him and I had a conversation with him about 
how did you get so quick? I needed to understand what he was doing so I could do the same thing so that he wouldn't beat me. And he was just he just told me that, bro, I spent the whole holiday training. And I yeah. just couldn't believe it. So I I I started investing more in uh you know training and working out and everything and with working out you know like going to the gym um training for whatever sports you specialize in whether it's tennis whether it's rugby whether it's soccer whatever it is you realize that like with neuroplasticity that um it's not only uh beneficial in terms of your brain but your body also gets a lot better I, i'll give you an example so if you look at um a basketball player named steph curry yeah. he's one of the greatest shooters of all time in basketball and he's got this really uh cocky thing that he likes to do in basketball which is like a, a no look three right so yeah. he'll be standing somewhere where you can get a three-pointer and he shoots the ball at the basket and he doesn't look then he already starts walking away before the before he's seen the ball go in and then as he's walking away from the basket the crowd is already going crazy but they're going crazy because they've seen it go in so he already knows it's going to go in before it goes in do you know what i mean yeah and that was a result of him like practicing every day and he knows like how to find the basket from anywhere on the court so what i learned was that um if you take big tasks in your life or things that are overwhelming and you break them up so that they're not inconvenient and you can just work at them daily then you can get better at anything so i started road running um during lockdown of last year because the gyms were closed and you know i like working out so i was losing my mind i needed something to do so i was new to road running uh, all my life i'd been like a short distance runner a sprinter whatever you call it and so because of that like my first few runs you know like i only managed to do 1k 2k's and even within those 1k's and 2k's like the minute i got to a hill i would literally just start walking you know what i mean then i realized that like you know small victories matter and yeah. those are the things that keep us going like um when you're going through something or when you embark on something new and you can't keep yourself going sometimes you need to look back at all the progress you've made you know and remind yourself like why it is that you're doing it and you draw strength to keep going from that when you're faced with a hill while you're running you know um while you're on the hill maybe let's say you're running in a in an estate or a residential area you look at the street lamp outside your neighbor's house on the hill yeah after the street lamp you look at you look across the road to the car parked outside and you keep telling yourself like okay the first checkpoint is the street lamp the, the next checkpoint is the car then you look and you see that the next one is a stop sign and you run to the stop sign by the time you get to the stop sign you realize that ugh, i'm actually 70% of the way up this hill i can't get 70% and let my efforts be in vain i might as well keep going you know like i've done so much now the hard parts is already it's already gone so you just keep mm-hmm. going so yeah i just learned through sports that if you work at something every day yeah 
you can become good at anything and things that things that are overwhelming break them up into uh pieces of work that are not overwhelming and not in, inconvenient to do yeah and i assume this is where your entire platform kind of took place with being intentional so doing small things every day to kind of lead to the bigger picture and also just training your mind and training your body and with athletes as well every single day they're training from morning till night until they get the right routine until and also they eat in a way that nourishes your body because they have that end goal in mind and we have a lot more control over our thoughts and behavior than we think but there are individuals who are marginalized and they tend to not tap into this power because their background holds them back so much so how do we begin to close this gap how do we better the experiences of the people that are um, ostracized by society because I can imagine that it's very hard for you to see this bigger picture when you are living on a minimum wage you have so much to worry about and the last thing that you want to worry about is being intentional with your running or being intentional with the end goal and seeing yourself there because you only ever see yourself surviving today and then tomorrow you survive that day you survive the next day so how do we better those experiences and how do we expose them to like better channels for like resources now i just want to give a disclaimer that i've got no degree in theology i'm not a pastor (laughs) so this is just my personal opinion like in religion whatever religion you believe in right they will teach you to have faith in God's timing, not your own timing. And you've got to work hard as though um, working for God and not for man. There's a, there's a Bible verse called, there's a Bible verse in Colossians 3.23 that speaks about that. And it basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but it basically says that whatever you work at, work at it as best as you can. Um, as though you're working for God and not for other men. So hold yourself to a standard of excellence and, you know, your things will work out for you um, in God's timing, not in your own. So just have faith. So that's mm-hmm. what faith teaches you. And it that basically just gives you hope that, like, there's always someone who's almighty, who's always rooting for you and has your best interests at heart. Now, when everything is stacked against you, like, you know, you as a person... You look, you look at the possibility of the trajectory of your life based on all the cards that have been dealt on your table. So all the opportunities that are present and all the um, everything that you're working at currently. So if you work as a, I don't know, whatever job you have, you, you might probably think about possibly starting your business and whatever work you're doing or getting a promotion. But faith will teach you that um, work hard all the time and God will come with an opportunity that you never saw coming. Mm. Another thing is I believe that people should have a mentor, someone who had a great come up story from their neighborhood, you know, someone of the same color, just to show them that like they're not audacious for wanting better for themselves and that it's not as out of reach as they think it is. Like that symbolism I believe is very powerful. If you see someone, you know, like maybe from from your hood 
who grew up where you grew up and they're just like this big story um if you have a mentor and they teach you how to move like they did they they give you all the skills they also tell you about all their mistakes so that you don't make the same mistakes that they did that's that is also a way of bridging the gap for people from difficult uh, backgrounds who are just struggling to get by day by day. What do you think? Um, Okay, let me start with religion, right? For me, I might oppose some of the points that you brought in, but for me, I think sometimes religion does tend to hold us back, especially when you put everything on hold because you think all right i shouldn't be doing anything because i believe the greater power will handle this but what what we need to do is work at it and ask for the spirit of discernment to you know let us know is this what i'm meant to be doing or not and so i do believe sometimes people do look towards things being sorted out for them and being content in whatever area of their lives that they are in and I'm a huge believer of Christ and I do obviously um, practice Christianity and for me I think the one thing that I've been um, trying to implement in my life is meeting God somewhere it can't always be let go and let God I mean yes we always say let go and let God but what are you doing to meet God at that place where you need to be okay cool yeah I'm I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I just want to touch on what you're saying and say that like people who just sit back and then expect God to just make things happen for you. Like I I don't even think there's anywhere in the word where God condones laziness. I'm not saying it's laziness. Sometimes like you're despondent mm-hmm. because the situation is just like upelumoya. You know what I mean? Which, yeah. which is totally understandable. So what I'm trying to say is like God does help those who help themselves you got to be doing something and then yeah is gonna be opening the doors for you can't just be sitting and waiting for a miracle yeah. also anyways and um, i also believe sorry sorry to yes. interrupt you but i also believe that opportunity really dances with the people that are already on the dance floor yes. so if you're looking from yes. the outside it's really hard for you to like get hold of the opportunities hard for you to see a different perspective because exactly. you're just watching from one point you know yeah and it's also like this is definitely from a point of privilege but you can't exist in your pit your potential you can't mm. and with regards to mentorship i have seen what mentorship can do for someone because i've had a mentor my entire um university and i've just been very fortunate enough to have had access to a mentor but not everyone is able to access to mentorship so i think one thing that needs to really happen in communities is people starting groups where they can actually speak to the younger generation and try help them towards um, a direction that can actually benefit them but it's really hard to try establish those groups and the longevity of those groups also is determined by the people who have started those um, groups. So I really do think at some point we do need to have these groups, even if it's like virtual groups that have started via social media. And I do see a lot of help coming from social media because everything is becoming digitalized and we are relying a lot on our communication with people online. And it's really a good space for it to take off because you don't really need to leave your house or do much to impact the next person 
but that's just I think from my side so it's religion and mentorship and I also think the last one would be therapy therapy for the marginalized in that when you try to make them unlearn a lot of the behaviors and the ideas that they were fed it makes it easier for them to have that belief that they can also be great but obviously therapy isn't really accessible to a lot yeah it's not really accessible and so I think the upcoming psychologists and the people that you know are graduating there is a need for services to actually be accessible to a lot of people who need those services because people who are in desperate need they aren't even aware that they need therapy because they see it as a way of life and Mm -hmm. you can see it from our parents who they will look at you when you say you are presenting with mental illness and they will think but I had less and I was able to come out at the top not understanding that we are dealing with a lot more as today's generation and we are obviously aware of mental illnesses and therefore we are in spaces where we recognize that hey actually I'm not okay and I need help but how do we even access that help if therapy is so expensive if all the therapists are situated in places that are so far from where you are so you can't even access that therapist to begin with but I think there is improvement in terms of the services that are provided by communities and NPOs to try reach other people to provide therapy for them. But with that being said, our last um, point of discussion is mindfulness. Since I've been following you, I've realized that you are very mindful and very intentional. And you also do take like time off social media and you're very aware of the kind of content that you expose yourself to. So how do you think mindfulness will improve people's lives and how does it improve people's emotions and thoughts and their behaviors? So with regards to mindfulness, I'm going to be honest and say that um, I'm not as I'm not as mindful as one would imagine. Uh, I cannot speak on meditation because I myself do not meditate, so I don't want to speak on something I'm not all too familiar with. But I will say that um, my mindfulness goes about as far as waking up every day and stretching for the first 20 minutes of the day and practicing gratitude. I've realized that like when you adopt the mentality of gratitude, it really shifts your perspective on a, on a lot of things that are currently present in your life and a lot of things that life throws at you. So sometimes, you know, as people were ambitious, uh, you know, people are inherently selfish as well. Um, We always aspire to be more. We always want more. And we can get so caught up in that, that like we're always, we put ourselves in a constant state of possible failure. Another thing is that um, I'm very big on dopamine fasting, dopamine detoxing, taking social media sabbaticals. You know, Uh, I realized that when things are made apparent to you, you take on that burden. So when you do things, you're making things apparent to yourself, 
take on that burden. When someone close to you tells you something, they've made something apparent to you, they've given you a burden to share with them, like with secrets. Do you know what I mean? If someone tells you a dark secret, now you guys share that secret together, like you've be- you now bear that burden with them. So a lot of the times on social media, we have to be very deliberate in the the type of accounts that we choose to follow, you know, but even those accounts that you follow bring other things onto your timeline and that's completely out of your control. You know, sometimes when very negative things are trending, like you're just taking in all that information, like whether it's happening subconsciously, like what you're just taking everything in and that's not always good for you. And it's good to, even though like you've deliberately chosen the type of accounts that you want to follow, it's good to take breaks from social media as a whole. So you start with the day, you realize that, okay, that was really good for you. A weekend after that, then a week, you know. Um, you also realize how much social media is just engineered to have you so invested and focused on other people's lives and how not present in your own life it makes you. So yeah. that's about as far as my mindfulness goes. I hope I wasn't all over the place with my explanation. I hope it made sense. No, definitely, because you were saying how we need to practice gratitude and also because when you are grateful, you're mindful about the things that you have in your life. Um, practicing social media detoxing that's also being mindful of the content that you expose yourself to and I think given the weekend that we had just had on social media on Twitter where a lot of the people that you know we were watching on social media engaging with passed on it's very um, it's a it was a very dark time in that you can take on that burden and if you're not mindful enough, then your emotions start to be all over the place and you sink into a very dark place. So it definitely makes a lot of sense. And I appreciate the conversation that we had today. I appreciate you and I appreciate the time that you have put aside to have this conversation with me. And I hope anyone who is listening to this understands now what neuroplasticity is and how it can impact your life. So just in summary, you have a lot more control over your thoughts and your behavior than you think, and you are able to change your situation. So, Gute, how can people find you on social media and on your platforms? So, if you're trying to, like, find me with regards to everything about navigating through your 20s, it's intentional 20-somethings across all social media platforms. So, on Instagram... On TikTok as well, I forgot that. On Facebook, on YouTube, and then I've also got a personal social media account, and that's Gutes Levu on Instagram and Kesa Levu on Twitter. Okay, cool. Also, so I, okay, yeah. Sorry. I also just wanted to say thank you so much for having me. Um, I've learned a lot during this talk that we had today, and with the build up to the talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you so much so i will leave everything in the description box um but that's intentional 20 somethings on instagram youtube and facebook and then on instagram and case on twitter 
And that is all for today, guys. Please do leave me a rating and a review as it helps me to see what kind of content you guys are into. And if you so do wish, please give me a five-star rating. Till next time, goodbye.